Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God. The, the Breakfast Club, bitches. <laughs> the voice of the culture. People watch The Breakfast Club for, like, news and really be tuned in. It's one of my favorite shows to do. Just because y'all always keep it 100, y'all keep it real. They might not watch the news, but they're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They're, you know, they're listening to The Breakfast, the Breakfast Club. Get your ass up. <laughs> your time to get it off your chest whether you're mad or blessed so you better have the same energy we want to hear from you on the breakfast club hello who's this hey this is daryl from vegas hey daryl what's up man get it off your chest bro all right well first i just want to start with love and say thank y'all i try to listen to y'all as much as i can i really appreciate y'all oh thank you bro um, i want to get it off my chest that i'm i live in las vegas i'm a Uber driver and it really, really bugs me when people don't respect Uber drivers and just don't respect their vehicle, you know, with the throw-up and the garbage Ooh. and just the inappropriate behavior. It's got to stop, man. I agree with that. It's got to go both ways, though. Sometimes I get in some Ubers and they are disrespectful. I got in one one time. There was uh, empty bottles on the floor in the backseat. There was a towel over the backseat. I was like, come on. I don't even want to get in here. He's French hey. satin pee. By the way, just to play white devil's advocate, you are in Vegas. So if you're picking up people in Vegas after a certain time of night, bro, I mean, you know what kind of element probably getting in that Uber. They drunk. They high. You know. Anybody have yeah. sex in your car? Yeah, I had one that actually led to throw up. I don't want to be inappropriate on the radio, but I had a... Uh, I got you. She no, was no I want to know. She was giving <laughs> yeah. fellatio. Oh, that's what it was? Yeah. Wait, wait. so I picked them up. We're going to where they need to go. And I think they kissed them, so I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to mind my business. I don't want to get into all that. But then it seems like she's giving the guy fellatio because I don't see her. I don't see him anymore. But then <laughs> I hear her say very, very quietly under her breath, I have to throw up. And the whole car... Uh, throw up. So, yeah. needless to say, I think she, uh, you know. I wonder if that did anything for the man's ego. <sighs> I don't know. They got put out in a bad neighborhood, so. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> not right, that long, long really making her gag. <laughs> thank you, brother. Hello, who's this? Hello. Hey, what's your name, bro? Uh, Felix. What's up, Felix? Get it off your chest, man. Yeah, man, I'm calling from Philadelphia. I'm going to say what's up. I really want to have a good morning, man. I'm working on the overnight chef. On my way now to pick up my son to take him to school, man. Everybody have a blessed day and listen to you guys every morning. You know, my job, I cannot get the signal down the basement. I work two floors below ground. So, you know, I got to download the app to listen to you guys. Can't miss your joke. Charlamagne, what's up, brother? What up, King? How are you? Man, can't call it, man. Can't call it. Happy to hear you. Angela, what's up, Angela? What's up? What's up? Angela. Same old. Angela, yeah, I'm Puerto Rican, man, so you already know. Como está usted? Hey, I see you growing down here, man. Don't let Charlamagne punk you, bro, for real. Right. Nah, nah, nah. You, nah, you worded that wrong. You worded that wrong. Hey, I, what you should have said was, yo, I see you bought that hair, poppy. I see you bought that hair, poppy. You a hater. Hater. Hello, who's this? Mocha. Hey, get it off your chest, mama. Well, I wanted to, again, thank Angela Yee for, you know, looking out for me when it came down to the music situation. Oh, okay. Oh, you do music. That's right. You remember? Yes, you I remember do remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, let me tell you, when people actually did check out the song, it was like, man, Charlamagne was tripping. I'm like, man, I came from work. I was tired getting off from overnight, so. You want to try? You want to give it another? Myself. You want to give it another try? <laughs> Y'all down to listen. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's go. Oh, boy. Oh, don't do me like that, bro. Don't do me like that at all. You ain't ready for the big leagues, mama. 
I can't tell. All right, come on, you stalling. Let's hear it. You got to redeem yourself. All right. Uh, a see. one, a two, uh, a one, two, three. Boo. Damn. You tried. No, she didn't. She really didn't. No, I said we tried. Oh. Hello, who's this? This is Nick. Nick, what up? Get it off your chest, Nick. I just wanted to give a shout out to any families out there just like mine. I'm under 30 with five kids. I go to work every day and bust my back to provide for my family. You, mean, you, my you, woman, bu- you busting your back home. and you made a family. You was getting it yeah, in. Yeah, Five that, kids that under is, 30? That's right. You already know it. Well, congratulations, my brother. You sound happy. Jeez. I just want to also give a shout out to any family that's just like mine. Guys out there busting your back. Keep doing what you're doing. Your family appreciates you. Go home, get their love, and just keep doing what you're doing. You don't want to shout out your wife, bro? It's five, I mean, five kids? That, that's what I'm doing. I'm shouting out to my wife and any other guys and their wives. And just okay. keep doing what you're doing. It's you all sa- about the family. You sound happy, bro. You is right. You are right. It's absolutely all about family. Right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So, so you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on the Breakfast Club. We're the Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This is Noriel. Hey, hey, Mama. Noriel. I thought yeah, I thought it was Noriel for a second. <laughs> but go ahead, Mama, get it off your chest. Uh, good morning. I just want to say I love you guys. Me and my husband and my two-year-old listen to y'all every morning. Don't do that to your two-year-old. He's not old I enough for this yet. Turn the radio down a little bit. Oh, I okay. Turn it down for. <laughs> but. Uh, Hello. Did you just turn your radio down? You turned her phone down. All right. Well, thank you, Mama. Hello. Who's this? This MJ. What's up, MJ? Get it off your chest. You're not Michael Jordan. You're not Michael Jackson. No, I'm Mary Jane. Mary Jane. <laughs> okay, Mary Jane. Not Blige. But I was calling in because I'm so sick of these grown men crying and complaining about constructive criticism that Charlemagne gives. I be listening to the radio all the time, and it's like, if you can't handle constructive criticism, don't call in or don't give your opinion because it's clear that Charlemagne ain't going to shut up for nobody. So That is true. Y'all know this, so why y'all, why y'all get mad that he ain't going to shut up? This is a grown man. Y'all can't get mad that this man won't shut up. That is true. So, I'm just so sick of hearing these five baby kitty cat men. Like, y'all some kitties. Well, thank you, MJ. What's kitty cat? Thank you. Y'all have a great one. Hey, Angela Yee. Hey, good morning, boo. How are you? I'm good, girl. Okay. Hello, who's this? Hey, yo, EJ MB, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the guy. What's up? It's Keith from Albany. Charlamagne Gay. What's, What's happening, up, bro? Keith? Get it off your chest. Hey, man, I got to get it off my chest, man. I'm 30 years old up here in the 518, and I just bagged me a 46-year-old. I don't know. She got my heart fluttering. <laughs> what y'all think I should do? <laughs> don't you let that old cougar turn you out. She's teaching you all them new tricks, and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> it's too late in love. I'm, I'm telling you, but the only thing is, I'm tired of using the Jimmy cap, so y'all got to help me out. Boy, don't do that. Yeah. You're going to be wanting to marry that woman. He's saying he's tired of using a condom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm tired of using it, man. 30 years old. I'm a welder, no kids, good credit. Did you guys go and get tested? Oh, yeah. I got I got tested around July. <laughs> she, she, she 46. She good. You know what I'm saying? Just do the earwax test. Don't, don't tell you know me that. Do the earwax test. You dig in your ear, you put a little wax on your finger, and you put it in her poom poom, and she jumps, that means she got something. So keep the condom on. Ah, good looking, y'all. Good looking. I just want to give a shout out to all of y'all. Have a blessed day. I love y'all. And look out for my podcast. 
on SoundCloud, SoundCloud forward slash the Random Bull Crew. No, I think All you right. should Random name. I, I think you should name your podcast Sprung. In love with a cougar. I'm just a little bit sprung, you know. I'm not going to work. I'm a you sound like Drop one of Clue's bombs for that 46-year-old oh, woman turning this young boy out. And don't try that test Charlamagne said he played. Don't you one try that test. One time for Stella. My goodness. All right. <laughs> we got more coming up next. We're The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. With gifts. That's right. We got Jim Jones. Yeah. And on the sheet, it says celebrity jeweler Alex Todd. Hey, what's up? That's what it says on the sheet. We got Freaky Zeke here as well. Freaky. What up, Freaky? Come on. So, Jim, so Jim you've been in the news a lot recently. Let's start with the... With the okay. Let's right. start with, first of all, El Capo. El Capo. El Capo. Yes. Did you just I break the mic? He definitely did. messing up. He got me nervous. Damn, I'm bad. <laughs> See, he thought I was going somewhere. I was going positive. Oh, See, I'm talking about El Thanks. Capo. You got album. me nervous up here. Now, El Capo. The album is uh, out. The album is, yes. is one of the, the dopest albums I've heard all year long. Thank, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you very much. I, I I appreciate that. That sounds very dope coming from you, my brother. Now, when I, I was talking to you, you were saying that you know the album kind of surprised you because so many people were hitting you like, "Yo, this is probably the best album I heard in years." Yes, I've I've been getting numerous amounts of calls from both people that I'm cool with and people that I wouldn't think would call me to congratulate me on anything, and it kind of took me for surprise. But for the most part, it's been like real substantial people from the industry, like even people that run uh, labels and stuff like that, like Mm -hmm. the presidents and stuff. So it's just been like surprising of how many people really been giving me my kudos for this album and things like that. That It hasn't been a, a, a... a record exec called me for a big major deal yet, though, but they tell me I have one of the best albums they heard in a while. So hopefully that'll turn into one of them calling me to uh, do some business with me and we could do an even doper album coming up. Why it's funny because you... most people don't want, everybody's talking about, oh, I don't need a major label deal and I'm independent and you're also an executive. It's tricky. I mean, at some point, you, you, it's, at some point when you're dealing with this industry, you should get involved with a major label as a lot of different reasons for it doesn't mean that they taking your identity your creativity taking your independence from you that all depends on how you set up your deal but i mean for an independent standpoint from these young artists they kind of find a loophole for making money so once they found that loophole which was called streams and they mm-hmm. been able to make their own money they kind of got to their head because they really don't need a label if you think of it like that but mm-hmm. if you at the apex of your game doing independent numbers and then you can go to a label and they can give you six to ten million dollars and you can structure your deal where they're just a partner and they don't own they don't own you outright and you can do it like it's definitely worth it i'm going to get the ten million dollar bag a hundred percent now question we reported this is this true or false you guys are going back on love and hip-hop um, Chrissy is going back on Love and Hip Hop. Shout out to Chrissy, what's up, baby girl? Um, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she will be on Love and Hip Hop. I told him I'll jump on a couple of episodes. That's like where it all her. started. That's yeah. why. Yes, it's- yes, it's very interesting. But you know, she she did great business with Mona. They came to a, a hell of an agreement, which it kind of made me smile. Uh, how she did her business and it was kind of dope. I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. I made sure I stayed out of it because I'm more emotionally tied to it than anything else. And you know, she was able to separate the two, the motion and the business, and she got a dope-ass deal done. So, you know, I look forward to her on uh, Love & Hip Hop. So you have a lot of businesses. Back watching. You have a lot of businesses. You have, of course, you're part owner of uh, Saucy. Shout yes. to my man, Alex Todd. Uh, Which is here. He's here now. Yes, Alex is a, is, a, is a very dope dude in this industry. I know he started with jewelry, but to be involved in this uh, weed business was one of the best things that could happen to me. And 
in my career right now. Like, I mean, the weed game is the whole next level of what's going on when it comes to making money. It sort of reminds me of real estate. Like, it's, it's no going back. It's just green on green. Green makes green. Green makes green. Yes. You're part owner of a football team. You you do a lot of stuff out there that, that brings in a lot of money. So when we reported a story, or we see the story that popped out that said uh, they foreclosed on Jim Jones's home. Yes. So I, I said... If they, if they foreclose on a the home, there's a reason for it. I said it probably isn't worth them keeping it. That's what I said. I was exactly. like, well, it might be that they owe more than what the house is worth, so you just let it get foreclosed on because we've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. But you explain to us. Explain to you what? Like what happened with that story. It's a property, man. We got a few properties. I mean, sh- I'm homeless now. Tim <laughs> Jones ain't no you damn homeless, man. <laughs> I'm living... <laughs> I'm living in a shelter for rich people. It's called a mini mansion. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you heard? Mm-hmm. I'm cool, man. You know, we. I'm homeless and I'm broke. That's what the people need to know. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they need to know. You heard? That's what they need to know. Nah, life is life, man. You know, you make you make conscious decisions when it comes to doing certain things. And like I said, the, the decision that I made with that was I didn't really. It wasn't really worth it at the end of the day, and it's not really a big deal. But you're dealing with the media. They blow everything up tenfold. Nobody has common sense anymore like that. They make it seem like they said, oh, uh, Jim Jones and his family were in the shelter. They looking bad. And, you know, I didn't hear that part. I didn't hear that part. That's, what the, that me- that's what the media paints it to be. They blow everything <laughs> out of time. You say one little thing in the media and then it goes out of control. But nah, it's cool. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Shout out to Jersey. I'm a New Jersey. And, you know, we having fun out there. All right, we got more coming up next. We're The Breakfast Club. Rudolph the Red Nose. Red Nose. Rudolph the Red Nose. Had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on, come on. Breakfast club, bitches. Also, now, now, what's your relationship with 50 Cent? Somebody asked me the other day, was like, yo, what's up with 50 Jim? I was like, they just playing. What, what's, what, you and 50, is that Some fun? of those jokes are a little too much. <laughs> Some of them jokes like, are a little far. I don't know far. if this is real or not. I wish I could be in a position to really say what I want to say, but unfortunately, my life has been hectic in this past year. <laughs> You know what I mean? But where I'm from, I do know people that we call real niggas or stand-up men, we don't try to tarnish other people's name by doing bullshit antics. Mm-hmm. There's consequences and repercussions for certain things like that. You know what I mean? Like, from where I'm from. So, I'll leave it at that. But for the most part, everybody know my life is real. I've been doing this for way too long for anybody to play with me and shit like that. But, you know... Some people think life is a game, so we leave it like that. You know when you slap box, sometimes it gets out of hand, right? Mm-hmm. It starts off with slap boxing, but then a lot of the times it turns into a real fight. So that's all good. That's man. how it is, you know what I'm saying? But it could be playful, but at the I end do of the day, wanna, certain... I do want to say I miss my brother Mel Murder. Shout out to Mel Murder. Keep your head up, man. I love you to death. Now, now it seems like every time Jim tries to get himself out and you try to put on a shirt and tie and do the right thing and be positive, they try to pull you back. I mean, it's, it's ha- it happens with natural progression. You do, you, it's, it's, you're never going to get a clear shot of what you want to do if you don't go through obstacles and and hop over fences and brick walls and things like that. You're never going to get to where you got to go. You got to expect that shit. They threw stones at Jesus when he was already on the cross, so who am I? Now, even with, with, with 6 9 it seemed like you never were feeling 6 9 from the door. I, I have no comment on none of that. Mm-hmm. Now, has the police messed with you because of that and, and, and what he said, anything like that? I have no comment on none of that. So you good and clear? I have no comment on none of that. Okay. It might be an ongoing situation. Just making sure my guy's good. That's all. That's comment on. So, so, so what's what's next for 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 Jim Jones? I'm um, actually about to drop a new project. Um, already? Yeah. I don't think people feeling me feeling me enough. So, um, I called Gazi last week. Gazi, he owns Empire. Empire. And I told him he need to do a fourth call of Blitz. I don't think people feeling my energy enough. So, 
they got the term you got to keep their foot on keep your foot on their neck and that's what I'm trying to do to keep applying pressure so I'm about to lock in the studio for like 30 days and do a strong 10 records um trying to release it the first or second week of December mm -hmm. um if I don't get everything together the way I want it I definitely will put out a record and a video and things like that but I got some sizzle. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I've been, I've been lightly in the booth sparring with myself and things like that. You know, when it comes to making music, for me, it's like homework, and I always hated homework. But you know, you get the best results when you sat down and did the homework and, and went to school and studied for the test and things like that. So that's where I'm at with it right now. I'm ready to go back in and have some fun. And besides that, it's the music and the weed right now. That's what I've been putting all my energy into, and uh, both of them been paying off um, more than ever. You know what I mean? And I'm just happy to be here. You know, I'm happy to still be in this game. 20 some odd years later I've, I've probably seen everybody come and go um, it just feels good to be here get respected by your peers young boys they, they, they always show me love um, you know trying to be humble as I get as I get older mm -hmm. I was a little bit wild when I was coming up uh, as you can see some of them things still come back to haunt me so you know I say my prayers every night like everybody else but for the most part I'm happy my family's happy nobody wants for them everybody's comfortable you know my son is happy my lady's happy my mom's is happy just got a new dog he's happy <laughs> like, what we, kind we, of dog uh, uh, American Bully mm -hmm. they like a pit bull but they call him American Bullies uh, a blue nose mm -hmm. got blue eyes so you know it's the regular Jeff. How's Joel's doing? Joel's. I, I actually haven't got to speak to Joel's. I just I just spoke to Twin yesterday. Like, come on, man. He's been gone, and I haven't spoke to him yet and things like that. But Zeke has actually seen him and How's spoke doing, to him and been in there. He's super good. He got, like, the A-Rab beard right now. You know what I'm saying? But he all right. He's focused on what he got to do. He mm -hmm. say he, um, he got his third eye wide open on and he ready to shake when he get home. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Dipset, you know. So Every dip time set. I see Freaky Ziggy, I think of a story that he told me a long time ago. What story that I will never forget. What story? <laughs> you got to tell it now. What story? Oh, man. What story? <laughs> tell it. It don't matter. Yeah. It. Let's go. He told me he had sex with a girl's underarm. Yes. I knew <laughs> I knew she was going to say that. I knew she was going to say that. Was you drunk? You couldn't find a vagina? <laughs> like, what made Yo, bro. you? Was it a sexy underarm? Like, <laughs> she, she just was a little chunky bro. under the arm with the little flab that came down. Bro. You know what I mean? So bro. This was back before we all had bro. food. Bro, listen you know to what me. Mean? So we I all bro. in the room. We was all in the hotel room chilling. And she was leaned to the side. I was twisted. <laughs> and... You like you got and, a sexy and, armpit? Like I nah, that... I didn't know. And I swear to mother, I put a condom on. You know what you I'm saying? You put a condom on for the armpit? And it felt good, though. You got to understand the fact. <laughs> Yo, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, it's Jim Jones. It's Alex Todd. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Gina. Everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, if you just joined us, we're talking the craziest thing that happened to you in the Uber. Now, this story came from Tiffany Haddish. Mm -hmm. Now, she pooped in the Uber. She sharted in her Uber before. Yeah, she has. Now, I was um, sharting in a vehicle, by the way. Done it once in my life. Nah, I've Jamaican done it up here. Jamaican food caused it to happen. It's okay, though. I haven't done it in the Uber, but Still we're asking. jeans. 800-585-1051. What's the craziest thing that happened to you in the Uber? Yee, you have any crazy stories? Uh, nothing too crazy. I have one time I was in the Uber, and the girl with me kept throwing up. Outside, that's kind of crazy. Having the Uber pull over so she could throw up, throw up, throw up. That wasn't very good. Um, and I've had situations where you know my friends go off on the Uber drivers and go crazy on them, and I'd be like, chill out, my rating. I haven't had anything crazy other than you know, if you ever go to like Miami Beach or go to any place where there's a beach, sometimes the the seats would be wet where people just got out of the beach or just got out of the Paris pool. Paris actually oh, sat in water? some. She sat in some urine. 
one time. Yeah. And yeah. she had on leggings, so it was terrible. So you know it got on her legs. Oh, that's yeah, well, th- This is Charlamagne the God talking. I don't have any crazy Uber stories. I actually have a 4.6 uh, Uber rating. I got a 4.8. I have a 4.7. Congratulations. But uh, I have a brother who has some terrible Uber stories. In Wax. fact, he's been yeah, banned yo. from Uber twice. He's Wax, banned. you're banned? He's banned, banned himself. Right and he banned. He got Nyla banned. Yeah. <laughs> Salute to D- DJ Nyla Simone. Yeah. It's not my fault, though. What, what, now, why, why are you banned your fault? from you Uber? You got banned? Because these guys try to make me get out the car. It's not happening. Well, Wax, I was just telling you, you know, it'll be 104 degrees outside. You'll have on Timberlands Early. and gloves in your back pocket. Definitely. I'm always ready. How many Uber drivers <laughs> have you beaten up? Six for the last Why would you beat up the Uber drivers? Why would you beat up the Uber drivers? <laughs> no, they beat themselves up. <laughs> what do you mean they beat themselves up? They hit themselves? No, listen. When you get out the car and try to take me out the car, I'm going to beat you up. <laughs> Tell them about the time the guy uh, kicked you out the car and threw your suitcase out the car. You threw your luggage yeah. down the block. I don't even know. See, my, my street and where I live at, it was like real dark. Mm-hmm. So I guess he ain't want to go up in that street with me. If Wax is six foot what? You six foot six? Uh, no, I'm 5'11". So you beat him up? Wax is six foot six, <laughs> muscular like he's from the Wakanda movie. So he, Where's Timberlands and gloves? You can't, you can't do that. I'm a nice guy, though. Shoot. So he asked you to get out. You yeah, got out, guy. and then he drove up, up a little yeah, bit through your suitcase. Even, yeah, I didn't even close my door all the way. He drove <laughs> off. Went down the street, threw my suitcase out the car, and bounced. I called him like, yo, what the f*** is this? I'm always, you can't every time curse, you can't curse radio, radio, I'm sorry. The good guy, Wax. <laughs> <laughs> So you Mama, up. wax owes some money. <laughs> but every time something happened, I always think of Charlemagne playing around anyway. So I kind of give guys a little leeway. So like, wait, hold on. You thought the Uber driver was, was in cahoots with Charlemagne? Always. <laughs> anytime something happened. Anytime something happened, I say, you know what? Charlemagne got something to do with this. Well, you know how would he know the Uber driver? What, what kind of logic is this? That's why I don't always just punch people in the face no more. I'm like, Charlemagne put you up to this, right? <laughs> and once they don't you? say, what you mean? What's wrong with why me? Would I, how do I know these That's Uber drivers? you do. So he beat up six Uber drivers in the past two years. And it's your fault. Exactly. <laughs> so do you feel bad that you banned from Uber? No, I use everybody else's account. Cash app. But you got Nyla, you got Nyla banned. Nyla got right back on. Oh, she's back, yeah, she back on. She got back on. You got somebody else banned. I think that anybody who beats up six Uber drivers in the past two years deserves to be banned from Uber. <laughs> That's crazy. And all other car services. Well, let's go all to right. the full line. You might have to hide your face before they before you get banned from Lyft. <laughs> Stephanie. Good hey, good morning. What's the craziest thing that happened in the Uber? Well, I'm an Uber driver here in Cleveland because I'm calling y'all from Cleveland. Okay. Shout out to the land. I got a, a pair of siblings that politely asked me to join them as they pulled in my back seat. Two females what? in the back seat? No, a brother and a sister. <laughs> Can you guess their race? <laughs> Caucasian. Wow. <laughs> yup. But did you join crazy. them? Oh, the brother and sister no. was having sex in the back First seat? All, it was a brother and a sister. And I drove them to like, it was like 30 minutes away to like the suburban area. And like That's while crazy. we was approaching, they were getting more comfortable. And they're like, you want to come? You know, I'm like, uh. How do you know they were brother and sister for real though? Well, th- that's what they told me. Alabama Uber popping. That's Cleveland. <laughs> this is Cleveland? Yeah, she said Cleveland. Yeah, it's the land. I didn't know they do that in Cleveland. Welcome but they to the land. the down south thing. Juan. What's going on? What's going on? Now, you're an Uber driver, Juan? Yeah, yeah. I did it for a minute, man. I did it for a little bit a couple months ago. It was like in between jobs I started trying it. What's the craziest thing that happened in the Uber? Man, listen, this was my first night, man. My first night Ubering. So I'm out in downtown, you know, getting pickups or whatever. I'm, I'm learning how to do it. So I get this big ride to go out of, you know, out of my way out of downtown. It was already late. So I'm like, right, hey, I started heading back. I'm like, man, if I don't make it to downtown, it's going to be way too long. But I get a ping, like, to get off the highway. So I get off the highway, I go up to this little club. You know, I'm looking for the people that order. I'm looking for the guy there. So this couple, like, comes out. I don't know if they just met him or whatever. So the dude was, like, drunk. They drunk. He's like, man, if you just take me down the street, I'll throw you 50 cash. I'm like, 
man. Listen, I'm like, how far is he? He's like a mile. I'm like, all right, cool, get in. Come on. He's like, it's me and my my girl, whatever. So they jump in the car. He jumps in the in the passenger. She's in the back. But before I pull off, she jumps out and she jumps in the front with him. So you know, he puts the seat all the way back, and I'm like, he's like, you don't mind, right? I'm like, man, listen, this lay. I just need these fifty bucks. I'm cool. It's my first night. I'm like, I ain't tripping. So we pull, I, I, I'm like, I pulled off, I start driving, man. They start getting it on in the Uber, man. They start getting it on, like, right next to me. So I'm sitting here driving. I'll keep picking over, like, and he's looking at me like, you don't mind, right? I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? He's rubbing on it. She's looking at me wow. like, you don't mind if Uber. I'm, the Uber guy watches. I'm like, trust me, I don't want to watch, homie. I'm busy. Yeah, you should have so told you, him. Get through where you need to be. You should have told him, if you don't make her orgasm, I'm going to give you a, a star rating. <laughs> hey, so, man, I was sitting there bugging. I'm driving. She's <laughs> heavy, you know what I mean? They both loaded on the side. I'm like, man, I am traveling. I'm like, <laughs> and the thing was, I was like, nobody gonna believe this story. They gonna think I made it up, man. I had to record them, man. I couldn't believe it. You recorded, you recorded them? It? Oh my god! Video evidence. I got evidence proof. It was my first night over, and I swear I can't, I can't make this story up. I got a hundred and fifty dollar tip for a mile. I couldn't believe it. I feel like man. that's illegal, but you can send the um, Breakfast Club AM at gmail dot com. The footage, you stupid. No. I don't know. Just kinky, want- <laughs> Thank you, brother. You kinky, man. You kinky. You know, someone who works with us actually had their uh, Uber rating lowered because they called the Uber for someone, and that person ended up having a sexual incident in the Uber. Who? I don't want to call their name out. Yeah, it was, they actually um uh in the Uber. Really? Yes. Somebody that works here? Yeah. I'm Our producer Dan? I'm, right I'm not saying he's standing next to me, though. Right Dan, <laughs> come here. Put your lips on the mic. What happened? Hey, now. You got topped off in the Uber? No. no. I got the Uber for my buddy, and I woke up the next morning, and I was wondering why there was all these complaints to my Uber. Uh-huh. And I had, like, a 2.5 rating after this, yeah. and the driver said that my buddy got home in the back seat and That's got it everywhere. Everywhere. Wow. You know what? You know what everywhere, everywhere. You know who needs to get a one star rating in that what? situation? Ooh. The girl. Why she didn't swallow? Yeah, you know what? Like, what kind of? What kind you of? What, what is going? What the hell? You're going kinky, on the world. Why would kinky. she swallow? You know what? Keep it locked. We have more coming up next. It's the Breakfast Club. DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a uh, 2020 presidential candidate in the building. The very well spoken. Very well spoken, <laughs> as we've heard. Cory Booker. Cory Booker is here. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to be back. <laughs> I didn't see you the first time you came in. I was actually on vacation. I know you took off, man. I came up and and you you went the other way. Only two light skinned brothers you at the went- same time. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I, I let you slide in. I appreciate that. Appreciate I- you being here this morning. We saw uh, Mayor Bloomberg apologize to you for calling you well spoken. Why, why is that insulting for white people who may not know? It's almost as if, and we heard this in the Obama's first campaign where he was called clean and articulate. Mm-hmm. It's almost like uh, many white folks are sort of surprised that an African-American man uh, can can speak uh, well. And, mm-hmm. and you don't hear it. You don't see this kind of surprise. Oh, he's well-spoken. They don't see that say that about white men, but it's a trope that we've heard for generations about African-Americans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I love history. I read about everybody from Frederick Douglass to uh, Booker T. Washington uh, talking about people surprised that, they, that they're so smart or so well-spoken. Mm-hmm. So it's insulting. And... You know, you can't be running for the highest office in the land. Making mistakes is all right. I'm, I know we all do. We've all said things we regret. Mm-hmm. But uh, to run for the nomination of the Democratic Party, and if you're going to be doing things that are insulting, dragging up actually painful kind of words like that, uh, you're not going to be able to win the presidency. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Because it, it is, you cannot win the presidency if you cannot energize 
and activate the black community. And folk don't understand that. Uh, Hillary Clinton, and this, by the way, she she wasn't it wasn't her. She was dealing with voter suppression. She was dealing with the Russians literally targeting African American voters. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sexism, the, all of that. But the black turnout that was down from twelve to to uh, sixteen, uh, eight hundred thousand to a million votes. In those three states that we lost by seventy seven thousand votes combined, Michigan, uh, uh, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. 77,000 vote difference. If, if we had won those three states, it would be President Secretary, President Clinton right now. There was a voter diminution of black voters dramatically. Mm. In fact, in Milwaukee alone, the activists there told me about 70,000 less blacks voted than had voted the, uh, the four years before. So this election is critical. The African-American vote is essential. And you add to that that I'm not in this just to win the presidency. I want to take back. I want to send Mitch McConnell to the back bench. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the Senate seats that are up that we have to win, North Carolina Senate seat, South Carolina Senate seats, there are actually two Senate seats in Georgia right now, not to mention Arizona. These are states where the black and brown vote is critical. Mm-hmm. And so imagine a Democratic nominee uh, saying things that are so insulting to the black community, right. dragging this up. It's just... It's 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 not going to work. Well, what if you are well spoken? How should a, what should a, how, should, how should a white person describe that? If <laughs> well, because you are well spoken, so I mean, you know, I, I appreciate that, but you know, I don't mind folks pointing out <laughs> a lot of facts about me. Yeah, 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 that that are have distinguished me in my career, and uh, to say that I'm well spoken is is not the thing that you hear. You know, necessarily focusing about other candidates. Don't say that about a white Got candidate. You. Yeah, 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 say yeah, somebody yeah. So, like, like, really, are they? What are they bringing up about the other white candidates when yeah. when, when it's being talked about? So, look, it, it was said, it was done. Uh, uh, you know, call it a learning moment, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I got work to do, so I'm not I'm not spending too much time. Well, you, you, did, you did endorse Mayor Bloomberg, though. I did. Oh, yeah. absolutely. He was the architect of stop and frisk. He was, and and uh, why would you endorse someone with that type of policy? That's that's a racist policy. Yeah, look, we we you're seeing a lot of black mayors right now endorsing Mayor Bloomberg because, you, you know, when I was coming up, when I first got elected, uh, and and Newark was in a crisis. It was him and a few other mayors around the country that came forward and gave me really practical support. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was somebody that said, my whole administration is open to you. And we came in to learn about everything from his office of entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stepped forward and helped us uh, on strategies to build affordable housing. So when it came to the tacticians of being mayor, there's a lot of incredible things that he helped us with. And I'm not shy to say it at all. Uh, but obviously the policing practices are something that's absolutely unacceptable. And the way he defended them, even when he saw the evidence presented mm-hmm. to him, is unacceptable. Oh, did you see him lie to Gail King the other day and say that nobody ever even asked him about it until he ran for president? I did not see that. Yes. That, that is... That was in the same interview where he called you outspoken. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's messed up because there's a lot, whole lot of tape of folks uh, confronting him. And you, I saw a lot of the activists. Do you think his apology was bullshit? It was just just because he's running for president. Uh, you have to you have to ask him. I I I don't know. And what again, is, this to me is we're in the New York City area, so mm-hmm. we we live with this for a long time. And mm-hmm. for me right now, the focus is uh, you know I'm I'm like running a uh, I used to run track, and my coach used to tell me when I'd line up for the hurdles, don't look to your left or your right, you deal with your own obstacles. Mm-hmm. You know, get get to the finish line. And so uh, I'm trying to spend much most of my time talking about my candidacy and what we're trying to achieve mm-hmm. because. Especially the Democratic Party, I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to spend my time criticizing them when we all have to get together. 
we got one shot to make Donald Trump a one-term president. And, and so my focus is getting, getting across the finish line as being the nominee because I think I'm the best in this field to activate that rainbow coalition, that Obama coalition, uh, to begin to heal not just our party but the country uh, so that we can actually start dealing with the big problems we have that can only be solved if we start finding ways to, to mobilize the whole nation uh, to, to deal with them. Because, folks, this is going to be a very difficult decade ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Climate change alone, if you see the last U.N. report, the, the predictions they made, things are accelerating at a rate that scientists didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and any big thing that we've done in this country, from going to the moon to beating the Nazis, uh, has taken a mobilization beyond the lines that divide us. You had to have bipartisan. I mean, my grandmother, black working class woman, talked to me about during the war effort, her victory gardens and her buying war bonds because it took the whole country to beat a global threat. Well, this is what it's going to take to deal with the challenges we have right now. And so I'm running a race not to tear down other Democrats. I, I watched that script in the last election where we couldn't even unify our party uh, to beat Donald Trump. Uh, I'm not just trying to beat Donald Trump. I think that's the floor. It's not the ceiling. It gets us out of the valley. It doesn't get us to the mountaintop. So I'm trying to run a campaign. I always say you can't campaign wrong and then think you're going to govern right. I'm trying to run a campaign, a positive campaign, not spending my time talking about other people, but spending my time trying to inspire other folks to, to, to win a big election, a wave election that wins us Senate seats, House seats, state legislators, mm-hmm. governor seats, so that we can have the people in place. Because it's not about me, it's about we. Uh, to to actually get the uh, uh, kind of change that we're going to need immediately on jump uh, to turn this country around, but more uh, even bigger than that, to turn the planet around. All right, we got more with Cory Booker when we come back. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Cory Booker. Now, you talked earlier about, you said... Uh, Bloomberg opened up his staff for you and, and you learned a lot from him about low income and housing and things like that. But what plan do you have to help people be able to own homes and create generational wealth and to start from a place where they can get a loan and they can get a home and all, and all those things? Yeah. So first of all, I love that you start there because often when people talk about, especially with black people, they talk about us as if we're a problem to be solved mm-hmm. and not understanding that when we create equal pathways to wealth. Uh, it, it, it simulates prosperity. I mean, I, mm-hmm. when I talk to some of the best econo- economists, they talk about, you want to judge how what kind of jobs are going to be created? Look at the housing market. Mm-hmm. How many people are buying homes? Mm-hmm. And so I actually start with that. I, I, I want to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, but people in my community, as a guy who lives in a black and brown community uh, that's struggling around the poverty line, you know, folk aren't aspiring to make minimum wage. Yeah, they right. want to. They want to make. They want to. If they're working minimum wage, they want to make a, a fair wage. But people aspire to wealth, mm-hmm. and so my whole sort of economic plan really starts by that. It, it's it's how do we create more entrepreneurship, more homeownership, more prosperity. Um, and so to answer your question specifically, we got a number of things. So number one. Uh, I have a bill that uh, has been uh, a lot of academics have said this is one of the more breakthrough pieces of legislation uh, that if we can get this done would create uh, generational wealth in America. And that's called baby bonds, Mm -hmm. which is everybody born in America, everyone uh, by birthright gets a interest bearing account with a thousand dollars in it. Everybody gets interest bearing account then every year of your life, depending upon the wealth of your family, you will get up to two thousand dollars deposited into that account. 
So we're a nation that has high child poverty rates. So one in five, one in six kids are born poor. Those kids, by the time that they're uh, 18 years old, would have upwards of $50,000 in that account. Average black family would probably have about, a kid, average black child would have about $30,000. And then you can use that. Now you have wealth to do things that create wealth, which is start a business, buy a home, go to college. And and so I know already Columbia University says my plan, because we, we did it. You can't deal with, generations of of policies that were designed to racially uh, uh, impact the wealth of African-Americans, the FHA loans, redlining, and all of that. Mm -hmm. We designed this in a way that we know would deal with the racial wealth gap, and Columbia University says our bill would literally close the racial wealth gap for those teenage kids because, you know, there's disproportionate African-Americans, Latinos are poor. And so that alone would give people a stake to start doing things. And we have a lot of folks from the housing world that said, this is amazing because it would help. What's the difference between that and universal basic income? Because universal basic income is giving money to anybody based upon anything. It's not doesn't have even race consciousness in it. It, gotcha. it it's just Donald Trump's kids would get a thousand dollars. And I just uh, I have a problem with giving wealthy people uh, uh, who don't need it more money. Well, I would rather target that towards dealing with historic inequality. Uh, and to level the playing field. And that's why this one, based upon income, a family's income, depending how much you would get, that that deals with inequality. What you're talking about there is not going to deal with inequality. Gotcha. Um, and so that's the first thing. And then we just need to start talking about housing, empowering people with housing. So the rental market does affect the home ownership market mm -hmm. because many people get stuck in rental situations where they're not saving money. Right. And so I have another uh, big effort, which is just simply... It, it, there's many Americans, 40-plus percent, are paying more than a third of their income in rent. And by relieving that pressure, we're saying let, let, let's give every renter in America who's paying more than a third of their income in rent, let's give them a refundable tax credit uh, between their their what they're paying and uh, uh, over a third of their income and the area median rent. That would cut poverty for millions and millions of Americans, raise the incomes for millions and millions of Americans, and put people in a situation where they could have more month at the end of their, their more money at the end of their month than month at the end of their money, as they say. In other yeah. words, this idea that we can start being a savings economy. Because people said, oh, you should have a savings account, savings account. Well, damn, if you're spending all your money, childcare, prescription drugs, all of these things, uh, th then you're not going to be able to save the kind of money you need to put a down payment on a house and start. So we have a big housing program, but a lot of it just is about raising the incomes of Americans. We're going to double the production, the the double the earned income tax credit. That's going to give 150 million Americans under my plan a tax break, uh, and we're going to expand the definition of work. The earned income tax credit doesn't go to kids in college who are working their way through college. It doesn't go to seniors who are catching extra jobs. So we're just going to make, do a lot of things to help incomes in America where people can actually have the resources necessary to create wealth. I've seen you uh, reveal a hundred billion dollar plan for HBCUs. You announced a federal bill that bans natural hair discrimination. Like, why do politicians wait until they're running for president to announce all these things they want to do for black people? Well, I, I, first of all, that's the question I ask. Mm -hmm. um, as a guy who's been in public life for a long time, uh, I, I, I say to this, don't, don't suddenly run for president and put a tab on your website about how you're going to deal with it, black issues. What mm -hmm. have you been doing uh, from jump? It's hard, for, it's hard for me to say that the Democrats are the party of the people when in the December debate, it's it's diverse, but it's going to be all white. Well, we, Three and a half years after having a black president, 
no black people going to be in the debates in December? Well, first of all, I got a few more days to make it. Okay. Cory Booker's black, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. I haven't qualified for the debate. I haven't qualified for the debate. And that, I feel some kind of way about that because, <laughs> because not just because of personal ambition, but because to make the debate stage, this is the first time we have rules. They said that you have to make a certain uh, fu- fundraising thresholds and certain polling thresholds. Now, you see, well, I just came out of Iowa a few days ago. When I was up there, I'm watching late night TV, is lying in my hotel bed trying to go to sleep. And it almost didn't seem like the Jimmy Kimmel show. It seemed like the Bloomberg and Steyer show because they've got billions of dollars to run nonstop ads to juice up their polling numbers. So the DNC has created rules for the debate that if you're a billionaire, you can find creative ways to get on it. But but my team, which is trying to use every money, to, every bit of our money for grassroots organizing, which is how we beat the machine in Newark for me to become mayor, is, is now having to try to figure out ways to raise enough money so we can do TV ads to help get the 1% point we're shy. And these polls we know are imprecise. If polls were right, Hillary Clinton would be president right mm-hmm. now. Right. And so it's frustrating that we've designed a system, the party that says we are about equality, inclusion, not the power of billionaires and millionaires to warp our system. It's Ooh. now a system that is going to benefit people who have a lot more money. Right. Well, how, do you, how do you beat that billionaire? How do you beat those millionaires? Well, one, one is we've been calling out to folk, and this has been our best fundraising stretch. Because people feel, especially with Kamala now dropping out, mm-hmm. people feel some kind of way. And so you raised like a million recently, right? Yeah, we, we're now on our track for our best online fundraising. We're hoping it's going to continue because make the bit stage or not, we still want to make the January one. If people want my voice on that stage, the only one has called out issues. I should give Castro some credit and Kamala some credit. When we're up there, we are talking, we are often bringing different things in the conversation that have not been brought into the conversation. And, and so we're just saying to folks, if you value my voice, even if you haven't decided who your final person is, you got to go to CoreyBooker.com and help us out because I, I refuse to let this election be decided uh, by the same factors that ultimately we're trying to fight in its influence over our politics. And I'm confident right now, just to let folks know, uh, by the way, polling is such uh, uh, bullshit. bullshit. Thank you very much. I, I, <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I'm trying to... Trying to be respectful, uh, the polling has there has never been a point in the Democratic Party in our lifetime where somebody who was leading in the polls went to the White House this far out. Let me give you: Carter was around one percent, Bill Clinton was around four percent, Obama on this day was was almost twenty points behind Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. in the two thousand seven. Polls do not predict from our party who becomes president. Mm-hmm. But let me just tell you right now: our campaign is the Des Moines Register says me and Elizabeth Warren have the best grassroots campaigns on the field. Number two is we are leading every uh, 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 person in this race in endorsements from local elected officials. These are your city council person. These are your mayor, local leaders, I should say. These are the people that are on the ground that are, that, are, that are closest to the people. So we've got, we're endorsed by those folks. So we're pretty feeling pretty good about our ability to do what Obama did, upset expectations in Iowa. All right, we got more with Cory Booker. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Cory Booker. Charlemagne? Is it embarrassing being the black candidate who can't garner black support? No. God, no. Look, we are brand loyal in our, in our, in our time. And Obama was the black candidate, and he was way behind Hillary Clinton right now mm-hmm. in, 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 in South Carolina amongst black voters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm why not, is that? Why, why do black older black people love Joe Biden so much? Especially when you look at like the 88 crack laws, the 94 crime bill, 
Nothing put more black and brown people in jail than those bills. Why right. do people love him so much? Listen, we are a we are a loyal folks, and also like other voters, we want to win. We we don't want Donald Trump to be there. Mm-hmm. And the perceived wisdom right now, just like it was when Obama was running, that the Clintons, if the perceived wisdom is he can win, I got to prove I can win. And and I know the loyalty of black voters to me. Is it difficult being a black candidate, especially with the expectations of of not just black voters but black people? Because they might say, I don't know why they say, Corey's not black enough, or Corey's corny, or, yeah. you know, Saturday Night Live would make fun of you and be like, Corey has all these well-prepared, rehearsed lines and debates. You know, like, you, you, know, you feel the need to, like, put on a, like, I gotta be down. You know, no. Look, the movie Street Fight has this incredible scene, and this is about, this is the Oscar-nominated movie, you can watch it online for free now, mm-hmm. uh, about my rise in Newark. And uh, it lost to March of the Penguins in the Oscars. But there's this powerful scene of a sister in that movie going against, because this was what the opposition in Newark, uh, uh, the, the machine in Newark was saying, oh, he's not black enough. to. to and this woman just broke it down and says, why is it that a guy who goes off and does everything we want him to do? You know, I, I went off to, to Stanford University. I joke, I got in because of a 4.0, 1,600, 4.0 yards per carry, 1,600 receiving yards, because I got in on a football scholarship. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, I stayed and did uh, a master's degree there, went off and was Oxford and a Rhodes Scholar, came back to Yale Law School, and she's just like, why is that suddenly? And then he did what we would want him to do. He came back to the community right. to serve. Like, my dad was not impressed. My dad from, you know, you know, both my parents grew up in segregated times. My dad was from, from the South, and he, he looks at me and goes, boy, you got more degrees in the month of July, but you ain't hot. <laughs> you know, life ain't about the degrees you get. It's about the service you give. You want to make mm. your parents proud, mm-hmm. get back to the work uh, of making this country a, a just place for everyone. And so I, I made a decision, you know, to, with my Yale Law degree, I moved into uh, uh, the neighborhood I still live in, a black and brown community in the central ward of Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. A lot of them say you never really lived there, though. Uh, well, they said that was a front. He, he, look, man, there, there is there, 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 a lot of people say a lot of things. Uh, but my whole life, my whole majority of my life now has been spent living in the same community in Newark, uh, living for eight years in the projects in Newark. And uh, the people that got me elected, Miss Virginia Jones, I can go through the tenant leaders who walked me through the projects. There, there rarely had there ever been an upset in Newark. I was the youngest city council person ever elected because of elderly folks and young folks who walked me through and put their credibility on mine. I still miss Miss Jones. When people would answer the door, Frank, they would say they would answer the door, open the door in the projects because they recognize them and they would just say, We can trust this boy. We can trust him. And one of the reasons I, I still that wasn't a white woman calling you a boy. No, it's my it was like a woman who's like my mother, Miss Virginia Jones. Okay. Yeah. And 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 the, the literally the reason why I moved into the into Brick Towers was because Miss Jones when I got elected, when she got me elected, she said, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the people that were there for you. So I said, not only want I forget, I'm going to move into the toughest uh, place where people will say things like, he can't live there. There's no way he lives there. Well, I, I wanted to live with the community. When I became mayor, I made a decision with my team. Let's find the sector of the city that they say is the most dangerous with the most shootings because I want to move into that area of the city. Uh, and I, I mean, remember you getting a lot of death threats. I do remember that as yeah. well. People was like... A lot of death threats, a lot of gang threats. Yeah, I've had some tough scrapes, but look... But people, that gets a lot of attention for me because I'm I'm the mayor of the city or what have you. But folk are living up in dangerous environments in our communities all the time. That's why I tell folks, and I've had this conversation in in Washington with people, like issues like gun violence. The the, the majority of homicide victims in America are black men. Majority of the homicide victims in America are black men. 
And so for me, when I go to that White House, talk about lived experience, Mm -hmm. I will remember, I can name the children in my community when I was mayor whose funerals I I had to go to. But you don't want to take away guns, though. You just want some type of gun legislation to regulate. Listen, who gets these guns? Let me just tell you this, because I, I made this point when I was mayor. I could only find one circumstance in Newark where somebody who was shot was shot by a person who had legally obtained their weapon. And that person was a correctional officer that used it to shoot at her boyfriend and mm-hmm. do a horrible murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. Every other shooting in my community was done by somebody who wouldn't qualify to buy a gun. So, so, so my point is, is it is not a law-abiding citizen's gun ownership. It's the laws that we have that allow people to obtain guns who should not obtain guns. So I'm not against you. I don't know if you have, Charlamagne, I don't know if you have a weapon. Oh, yeah, I do. I, you know what? Clear this up for us, because about nine years ago, we we did an event with you in Harlem. Yeah. And I swear me and Envy saw you with a gun. Like, you had it tucked in your back. And I was like, yo, Corey, book a packing. <laughs> now, did you ever used to carry a firearm? No, I never you carried. You sure? I'm sure, You remember man. that, Envy? I do. But I, I, was it Harlem? It wasn't Harlem. It was, like, it was on the Upper East Side or something like that. I don't like, know where it was at, but I, I was just like, yo. And, and I, I, that honestly made me dig you. Because I knew about the death threats and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But I was like, yo, himself. he's carrying his own weapon. Yeah, yeah. No, but, you know, I got a question, You too. sure you never carried your own weapon? I never carried a weapon, man. Never. 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 Mm. I fired him, but I've never carried So what was that in your back that time? I have no idea. Maybe it was like a... Granola bar. I don't know. <laughs> Katie Couric was here. Yes. And she said that you guys went on a blind date. True. To a football game. True. And then you game. never asked her out again. Well, no, she said she never asked you out again. She, said, never she, she said you was corny, corny. <laughs> she didn't say that. I don't know she if you said, saw that. She said you never asked her out again. Why was that? Um... You sense sometimes... <laughs> why am I going back there? You're going to get me in trouble with my now girlfriend. <laughs> It Ms. never Rosario ha- Dawson. Miss Rosario Dawson. She has a name, Corey. She was our last time I, I I was I didn't say the name. We just but but uh She's campaigning for you. She is. Yeah. She is. Go she- back to your old boo, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't call her back. Why not? I I if I felt that door was open, I wouldn't I wouldn't I would have knocked on that door again. Mm-hmm. I'll just put it that, that way. That didn't connect. <laughs> What's that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? That means I, I found her to be in I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I just never felt like she was inviting that. But maybe maybe it's my... And this is how I remember. What, this is though? well more than a decade ago. This is a while ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember exactly. So the connection wasn't there. I, I, again, I really enjoyed... She was... She was somebody that you met them and they were for they were real. You know, right. it, it it was like she we had fun, and so I I, I don't know why that did not uh, okay. materialize. You got any regrets? I have no regrets because I'm court. with the woman, but I'm with I'm I'm like, you know, I'm every day I'm like pinching myself. I'm mm-hmm. I'm my girlfriend is just amazing. I'm just uh, very happy. Well, he and you getting married soon? I, I am I am I am not. Uh, making any news on that? <laughs> uh, uh, there's been no, there are no wedding plans for us. But I'm, I'm really. She's just an incredible human being. She's mm-hmm. an activist. She, she's, she adopted an amazing daughter. That her daughter at 11 years old. You don't see people doing that. Mm-hmm. She founded uh, Voto Latino, which is this uh, activist organization. She's like a righteous activist person that uses her position to do as much good as she possibly can for she's an entrepreneur i know mm-hmm. you respect that but she's not she's a conscious capitalist in the sense of she's working with women in africa to develop a capacity there mm-hmm. i mean just everything about her amazes me every day and uh i just i'm just i'm just really blessed now, now some people say that relationship's not real though and they say you're, you're just with her because of the rumors of your sexuality well first of all uh 
Some people say everything, mm-hmm. everything, and I don't. I'm not. I don't care. I don't care what people say. If I care what people say, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. What did Malcolm X say? If 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 you don't have no critics, you won't have no success. That's exactly right. I will say this about you, Corey. I've been critical of you, but when you're on that debate stage, when you get to talk, yes. You good. Thank you, man. Like, really good. Thank you. And I would love to see you on that debate stage continuing to do that. Like, take the gloves off even more, man. Yeah, I, I, I will. And let me just say something of you. Don't stop being critical. Because we got we, we have to hold our people accountable. Mm-hmm. And being black be, being is not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. All right. Yes, and no more outfits like this, because this, this goes around in our group chat. People say I could never vote for a guy who dressed like that. Dang, man. I've never seen that. This is the tough <laughs> oh thing about gosh. this is the tough thing about being in public life. And no, it's the tough you, thing about being black. You gotta have be fly. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> what the hell all the that? time. Goodness. I gotta be fly all the time. Yes. What was this? This is like this is again a decade ago, man. Give it Oh, a, this is a decade ago. Oh, okay. You okay. It was yesterday? Yeah, you do look a little wider in this. I'm a, I'm a lot heavier in that picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. what's more embarrassing to me. <laughs> it's Corey Booker. Thank you, fellas. Club. Thank morning. you very much. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. Florida. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. The Breakfast Club, bitchy. Donkey of the day. With Charlemagne the guy. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Well, Duval, they keep letting me get him like this because they keep doing things like this. All right, Donkey of the day goes to a substitute teacher at a school in Sarasota, Florida, named Heather Carpenter. Now it's for whatever reason, she had a dispute with the school's principal. Heather was allegedly upset that the school's principal was set to have a birthday party at a particular venue. The venue in question was the Pavilion in Erfer Park. Now, I don't know what Heather has against the principal or the principal's daughter, but Heather, a substitute teacher, decided to be a party pooper, literally. Let's go to Fox 13 for the report, please. All eight of these picnic tables here at Erfer Family Park had to be replaced after a woman spread human waste and fecal matter all over the wood as a form of payback. A mixture of urine and feces, and she had it in a big cup. The nasty vandalism cost the county more than $2,300 for cleanup, replacing tables and grills, and reimbursing and rescheduling a birthday party set for the pavilion later that morning. It only took the Sarasota County Sheriff's Office a few days to track down and arrest Heather Carpenter. The 42-year-old is charged with felony criminal mischief. Turns out Carpenter is a substitute teacher at Philippi Shores Elementary School. According to arrest paperwork, Carpenter wasn't happy with how the principal handled a professional complaint she made at the end of November. The Sarasota woman admitted to investigators she smeared the feces with the goal of spoiling the birthday party planned at the park that day. The celebration was for the principal's daughter. Officials say Carpenter is no longer a substitute and can't volunteer at any district schools while this investigation is active. You think? Uh, Heather was with the, 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 uh, the sugar honey iced teas. Okay. Now, I have a homeboy who shall remain nameless who used to have a real problem beating people up. So he went to anger management as part of his probation for beating people up. So whenever he wanted to beat people up, instead he would resort to fighting with feces. What I mean by that is... Oh, my gosh, Wax is crazy. I didn't say him. Uh What I mean by that is (laughs) if he had a beef with someone, he would cut your car seat open and put dingleberries in the cushions, or he might go in your house and put a couple chocolate delights in your sneakers. That's disgusting. It is. I remember he had an issue with his next-door neighbor, and the next-door neighbor's roommate, you know, let him in the house. So my guy put butt truffles in the neighbor's couch cushions. What's a butt truffle? 
turd. Ne- um. Never understood why the roommate was down with that because he had to live there too. All right. The moral of the story is it's just some real live turd terrorists out here, and Heather Carpenter is clearly one of them. My thing is, Heather, you got beef with the principal. Why resort to attacking the kids? Because that's essentially what you were doing by spreading butt mud all over the picnic tables and grills at this park. None of the adults were going to be affected by these rusty nuggets. I mean, sure, you put some rectum warriors on the grill, so that means everybody's burger would end up getting fudge babies on them. But why do that to the kids, okay? What is something else that your Uncle Charlotte always tells you? Never go to war with someone who gives a F less than you. And clearly, Heather Carpenter don't give a F. Anyone can get it. Men, women, and children. If she got beef with you, then all of y'all getting butt beans. All right? Everybody at this party <laughs> going to get all the fanny fudge you can eat. Chocolate bananas for everybody simply because I got beef with one person. I'm telling you, don't go to war with somebody who gives a F less than you, especially a rectum warrior. Now, Heather has been charged with third-degree felony mischief and property damage, and there is no way she can be in population with other prisoners. Because what if this turd terrorist decided to let a bunch of frightened turtles loose in a prison? Do you really want a corn massacre in one of these correctional facilities? Think about it, Florida. Please give Heather Carpenter the biggest hee-haw. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Question. What? I don't want to hear your question. Now, I got a question. So, for her to carry in your guys, your friends, uh, you know, turd terrorists, so he does he does he poop on the floor and then pick it up? Never asked if it was human feces. It could have been dog feces. I don't know what kind of feces it was that okay. he was using. I'm just curious. Like, do you just poop? Like, it? I don't know what kind of feces Heather was using. Okay. You know what I'm saying? We just assumed it was I'm her. I'm just assuming it's hers. I just, do you pick it up or do you go in the toilet? And like, I'm, I'm just, just saying, if you yeah. got to go to a prison, you know what I'm saying, and that's your weapon of choice... You always got some on deck. I always got some on deck. You're right. <laughs> I'm pretty regular. All right. Matter of fact, 8.30 this morning, if anybody, any turd terrorists need something, holler at me. I got it for the low. <laughs> My goodness. Is it going to be mushy or hard? Um... Let me see what I had. Well, last night I had fish for dinner. This morning I had my regular protein shake. You should shake. always look at your Probably poo to figure out how well you're doing as far as your diet. I never look at my poo. You should. I, no, that's disgusting. You got to make sure it looks normal. No, I'm fine. The color right. of it, the texture. All right, guys. Keep it locked. We have more coming up next. It's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Ashley. Hey, Ashley. What's your question for you? Oh, I kind of just wanted her advice on dealing with my boyfriend um, and his mother. His mom is, like, very involved in our relationship. Um, She drinks a lot. Mm -hmm. And she, yeah, we used to be, like, really close, me and her, but... Um, she kind of, you know, she stopped drinking and got like real disrespectful, and so it's like really hard on him because he's in the between the both of us a lot with arguing and like not talking to each other, and she has a lot to do with like the problems that are in our relationship, and it's just like kind of really hard to deal with. Man, I had to date a guy one time whose mother actually used to drink a lot, and then she would always call him, and then they start arguing, and so I had a, a similar situation. She never got disrespectful with me though now when you say she's the cause for a lot of arguments in your relationship why does that what are the arguments that y'all are having um just basically kind of how to deal with her I mean like she's so impulsive that it's like you know I'm just not used to that she'll say one thing and forget that she said it and then um you know what I mean like it's just it's almost like talking to a different person every day and it's just really frustrating to have to deal with that um he lives with her now 
Um, we were living together, but, you know, we just kept arguing over him, just, like, always going over there to see her instead of, like, hanging out with me, which is fine. Like, that's your mother. Of course, I'm not going to, like, be opposed to you being around her, but I just don't like being around her. So, you know, that, that energy that she gives off and that vibe, I know she talks about me to him and how she doesn't want me to be with him, and she would rather him be with his child's mother and things like that. It's just those things constantly being said to him mm-hmm. and him telling me that it's just like that bothers me of course well as a mother before you know just things that are just like really out of pocket so here's a couple of things here number one her alcoholism is a sickness it's a disease right mm-hmm. and right. and so i do feel like she's saying those things but you have to look at it from the fact that she's not well and so I think mm-hmm. when she's lashing out at you like that, that's more of a reflection on her not feeling well about what she's going through. So right. I want you to understand that. Uh, secondly, your man has to figure out what he's going to do to deal with this issue. Obviously, you know, in an ideal situation, you guys will get along, but y'all don't right now. Is he trying to get her some help? Um, I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of in denial about it. Like, I mean, he obviously knows that she's not... You know, she's not well right now, but it's just so hard to deal with her and it's so hard to tell her things about herself. It's just, you know what I mean? Everyone's just kind of like tired of being the dead horse at this point, you know? Like she just doesn't, she doesn't believe she's that bad and, you know, she's just, you know, she's an adult. We can't really force her to do anything. If you talk to her, she gets very defensive. So, um, you know, it's kind of just hard. It's hard. I get it's hard for him to deal with as well, but it's like... You know what I mean? I don't want to say, like, pick a side, but... No, and, yeah, you can't say pick a side either. I think it is important for you to be supportive of your man. And when I say being supportive of your man, understand that I'm sure it's difficult for him to have to deal with this, to be in this situation. And instead of you guys coming from a place where it's me against you over her, you have to be like, I'm supporting you because I know this is difficult for you. And it is difficult for me. So can we support each other to make sure that this doesn't tear us apart? And how can we try to make sure that we get her some type of help because she really does need it and I do care and I do want to be with you. Right. And I do feel like that. I do love him. And I, I, you know, I definitely keep him in mind whenever I'm, you know, trying to deal with the situation because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be that person like disrespectful to your mom or want you to feel like, you know, I'll never be able to be around your mom or, you know, because ultimately that's going to wear on a relationship. But yeah, just, uh, maybe situation. So. <laughs> so you know what? You and your man should go and actually talk to somebody, and then when he's comfortable with that, he should encourage his mother to come with him as well. Right? Yeah, I think that's a good idea too. I uh, hope she listens. <laughs> right. Well, you know, best of luck to you, and don't give up on your man. And listen, it's hard sometimes. Outside forces affect our relationship, and they shouldn't. Everything else can be great. It could be that one thing, and sometimes it's just your approach. Right, right. I definitely don't want to approach it in a sad way, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Thank I know, you girl. So just count to 10 backwards every time you start getting mad and breathe. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's definitely helpful advice. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Ask Yee. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit Yee now. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee. Charlamagne the guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got Tony on the line. Tony, good morning. What's going on, y'all? Hey, what's up, man? What's your question for Ye? Hey, Ye, so because before I became a uh, elusive member of the Black Man No Cheat Club. That's so, right, baby. Uh, prior to all that, I messed up when I cheated with my girl. Well, uh, you can't remember well, there goes that. That's my fault. 
Hey, but this is prior to, you know what I'm saying? I got, I got new inspiration now. Okay. Um, but before then, uh, I was I cheated, messed up. But now my girl feels as if I shouldn't have any female friends. Now, not, not I feel it with new female friends, mm-hmm. but she mean any, mean prior, old, whoever they are, she don't want me to have anything. So how do I go about handling that? You want to be with her, right? Of course. You got caught cheating, you're trying to prove something, right? Of course. Well, I think when you're trying to prove something, and I'm sure the guys in the room can attest to this, you kind of got to do whatever your girl wants you to do Better for the time, ass down. For the time right. being because she's now feeling insecure. She's not sure about things. So if that means that you have to back off from certain friendships that you had prior to her, for now, you might have to do that. Now, as you guys get into a better space, maybe you can ease back into having those friendships and she'll be okay with that, especially if those friendships were genuine. I had a friend who cheated on his girlfriend and they ended up, you know, breaking up, but then they got back together and his girlfriend did not like me. He did not, she did not want him around me. And you know what I did as a friend to him? I said, that's cool though. That's important to you. That's your relationship. I don't want to cause any problems. A real friend will understand that and back the F up. And that's exactly what I did. Now their relationship didn't end up lasting. And of course we're still friends to this day, but all I'm saying is he had to do what was necessary and your friend should understand that. Now, hopefully if those women are your friends, they also will end up being friends with your girl because that's important too. But for now, as you're trying to win her back and that's really something you want to go hard for, even if it's not certain things that she does, you don't agree with that she might want you to do. You kind of got to do it. That's right. We don't negotiate with terrorists, and your wife is looking at you like a terrorist. You do what she tells you to do, including but not limited to a finger in your Okay, you went too far. Don't debate me. Don't <laughs> debate me. Don't debate me. Yeah, and it's, it, listen, it's, sometimes it's a long road to get that trust back because you. it takes a long time to build back trust when it's broken, but you have to be in it for the long haul if that's really what you want. But is there a, is there an extreme point and is there a too long of a timetable? No. <laughs> Are you listening? Are you willing to do anything? Because, listen, there could be a breaking point for you where you're like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm out. You have to determine that. Facts. Okay. Too easy. All right. Well, good luck. Good I luck, hope bro. you uh, make it happen. Black man don't cheat. That's right, baby. <laughs> All right. Anymore. <laughs> Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, hit Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. EJ, Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. It's We're in the middle of Ask Yee. What's your name? Butterfly from Baisley. Your Butterfly. Hey. hey, Butterfly. I heard from Butterfly hey. forever. How you doing, Butterfly? What do you want for Ask I'm Yee okay. this morning? Yes, I'm not doing too well because I got in trouble at the job. And I've been off for like a month now. Mm-hmm. And I want my job back, but I don't know how to talk to my boss because he, every time you see me, he goes, Butterfly, get out my face. <laughs> That's not good. I want my Same. job back. What, so what happened at work? Like, why did you, are you fired? Well, I think I'm on probation. <laughs> so I what got, happened? Let me, I, he gave me some food. I went to take a lunch break. He gave me my meatloaf, everything I like. And I went to the back of the store and ate and fell asleep. Ooh. When I came back, he said a whole hour. I said, no, it was like 30 minutes. Hello? He said, uh-uh. We got into a big old argument over this. He said, how many greens you cut up? Because, you know, I do the dishes or the greens or whatever they want. Mm-hmm. That's DJ starts and Diddy run the city. And then we just got into a big argument. Now, when I opened my mouth, 
Butterfly, couple things here. Yes, you did, did. You did fall asleep. Yes, I did. I did. I swear to God, God. So that was wrong. You can't fall asleep at work, right? I know. You got to take responsibility sometimes and just say, you know what? I'm sorry I was wrong. Okay, I'm sorry I was wrong. Not okay, to me. I could tell him. You have to tell him that because you can't argue with somebody when you dead wrong. Okay. I didn't want to argue with him. He just asked me a question, but he was like so angry at the moment. Like, yo, yo, yo. I'm like, oh, God. That makes me scared. Like, were you scared? Because you said all kinds of things was coming out your mouth. Yeah, because I started getting hyped. I was like, no, it was 30 minutes. He's like, it was an hour. I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Right. All you got to do is be like, you know what? I I apologize. I, I did fall asleep. I'm exhausted. The meatloaf was banging. And it yeah, won't happen I again. It. And yeah, it won't happen again. So did he. Go get yeah, your go it get your good. job back, I butterfly. I didn't eat all day. All right, go get your job back. Okay, good. So I'm gonna tell him that. Okay. Now, butterfly. Yes, I, heard, I love you, Charlamagne. I heard you I was love feeling you Steve. Too, Baisley. Hi, Envy. Say it again. I heard you was feeling Steve. Oh yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about him. Let me tell you this. Okay. This mind here and the way he talk, we can get together. Yes, yes. All you have to do, because I don't have an Instagram or a phone because I'm using my own girl phone. Only thing Steve have to do is come to Rochdale Chicken and Fish and get his eat on and ask for Butterfly. Yes, yes, yes. yes. You don't even work there right now, Butterfly. You got fired for Rochdale Chicken and Fish? Yeah, I still go there trying to get my job back. Okay. Salute to all my people in Rochdale, Queens, the Evans family, Dr. Robert Evans, <laughs> Nunu, what's happening? You know what I'm saying? DJ Bless, what's going on? Well, this know. sounds like a winner for you, Steve. Big Joe. Big Joe. And shout out to your homegirl who's letting you use her phone. Oh, thank you. Yeah, shout out to you for letting me use your phone. Hey. Hey, yeah. boo. My name is Diana. How you doing? Hey, Diana. You a good friend. I know. She won't leave, she won't leave me alone for a minute. All right. Well, thank you, Butterfly and Diana. Appreciate y'all. You want me to You want me to reach out to them over there at, at Rossdale Chicken and Fish? You know those are my homies, Diddy and them. You know those are my yes. homies. Shout out for show Diddy run the city. DJ Stark. Yo. What's up? Yo, Diddy and Starks, if you're out there listening, you better hire a butterfly back, man. And uh, you should bring Steve yeah. up there, Envy. Yes, 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 yes. All right, I'm going to bring Steve so you can holler at him. <laughs> okay, got you. All right. Okay, All right, butterfly. Okay, um, okay, let me go before I go off on them. All right. Good looking, you. God. Good it's looking, God. You be cool out here in these streets. Yo, butterfly is crazy. <laughs> All right, we got more coming up next. We're The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, we have a special guest in the New York Public Library. Uh, I'm not going to mess up your name, sir, so I'm going to let Yee uh, introduce you. <laughs> Toshi. <laughs> What's the last name? <laughs> last name, uh, Onyebuche. 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 I know you used to get that a lot in school. Because the name is Toshi <laughs> Onyebuche. Like, this is the name. M- middle school was fun. Yes, and let's talk about your book that we're actually using for our program with the New York Public Library, War Girls. 
And it actually takes place in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And I actually have to do some history on this because there's a war. Mm-hmm. And then it's Biafran. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Biafran, yeah. Biafran. So give us the history of Biafran because it's uh, Biafran and then that's part of Nigeria, right? Mm-hmm. So Nigeria became independent in, I believe it was 1960. And then in 1967, the Igbo tribe, who were concentrated in southeast Nigeria, wanted to secede. And they announced their independence in 1967. And then what followed was like three years of war and famine. And it was just catastrophic. And you saw all these like England or like the UK and the US and everything got involved, but mostly on the side of the Nigerians. And so it was very much a David versus Goliath thing. Biafra got crushed, you know, three years later and eventually subsumed back into Nigeria. But the thing about it was there were no real like reparations or no real attempt to like deal with it Mm -hmm. or deal with the underlying ethnic tensions. And so even today, you have, like, renewed calls for succession. So it seemed like now was the time to definitely, like, revisit that. Even in this, like, you know, science fictional way, but to, like... Because in Nigeria, nobody talks about Biafra. You said it's an alternate Nigeria. Like, what what exactly is an alternate Nigeria? So I, I just wanted to... I wanted to set it in the future. And so I wanted to write a story where there were black girls piloting giant robots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to set it in Africa because there are so few pictures or depictions of Africa in the future. Mm-hmm. Like, all all most people know is Black Panther, right? Like, yeah. that's, that's right. it. That's and that's only, a fictional place. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to present, you know, another version and see what... You know, Africa in the future would look like. And that's the Chinese seven. people and white people. Yeah. If we don't, if we don't, if we don't stop going back to our homeland. Exactly. Well, that's, exactly. And this takes place in twenty one seventy two. Twenty one seventy two. I love the fact that you're doing black science fiction. It's a genre that I I, I want to explore, but I just don't. You know, because all black stories they always try to put us in the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's always from the hood. It's always a mm-hmm. drug deal. It's always something like that. The fact that black science fiction. That's why I love what Jordan Peele's doing. Yeah. So for you to be writing something like this, I think it's very, very dope. If I want to be a writer, I don't just have to write about how tough it is to be a black person in that's America. That's right, right. That's right. I can write whatever I want. Right. And that's why, listen, that's why I get some. I get mad at some of this art that we put out. Because mm-hmm. if we're going to tell fictional stories about black people, can we win? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we change yeah. some narratives? Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's why I didn't like about Queen and Slim. <laughs> One thing I didn't like. You, like, oh, you didn't like Queen's Room? I'm not going to talk about it right now. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Um, so the process, let's say somebody is very interested in science fiction mm-hmm. and writing. How do you go about creating a world that oh, doesn't even exist? Were you high? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't smoke. But, like, writing is my high, right? Got like, you. I just, um, it starts out as this, like, assemblage of just, like, cool shit that I want to put mm-hmm. in this world. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, start putting it together and thinking about, okay, what's important in this society? Mm-hmm. What do people care about? How is it divided? Like, is there are there class differences? Is there, like, a racial component? Mm-hmm. And, like, one thing that I wanted to do with War Girls, so, like, what's happening in Africa right now is there's a huge push for Chinese influence, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, like, you know, mm-hmm. nobody's talking about that, right? And that was something that I wanted to have in the book was, like, this discussion about, okay... Oh, I was playing. I didn't know you was really... <laughs> yeah, no, well, like, okay. like, that's an actual... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, that's an actual thing that I wanted to get at was, mm-hmm. like, okay, if we're, if we're looking at Africa in the future, we're going to have to, you know, reckon with 
you know, where we're at now with regards to Chinese influence in the continent mm -hmm. and whether or not it's, you know, just like another brand of colonialism, right? It right. definitely is a new brand of colonialism. Oh, like, yeah. and, and I mean, even when you see guys like Jack Dorsey say, I'm going to go spend oh, man, please just much leave. time in don't Africa. Come, don't come to Africa, please they don't. Come, they no. coming back to take the motherland yeah. again, bro. Like, it, there's there's nothing good that can come from Jack Dorsey coming to Africa. <laughs> there's nothing, no. It's just literally, like, don't do it. So, don't do it. Expound on that a little bit. Why? Well, like, so, so for instance, one small example, like micro lending is huge in Africa, right? Because there are people that need, if, specifically if you're like a, a small business, right? Mm -hmm. You 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 got a stall in the market that you sell clothes or fruit from or whatever. Mm -hmm. You occasionally need a loan to like cover overhead or like if you're if you're short on payments or whatever. And so what's happening is you have all these like apps and all these tech companies that are getting in and developing these like micro loans gotcha. where they charge a ton of interest on these loans. So people will take out a loan. What's the interest? So the interest rate will be something like 35%. Oh, my goodness. Yo, it's like just just out of this world. So people will take out the loan, mm, mm, mm. but then to pay the fees on the it's loan crazy. or to pay back the loan, they have to take out another loan. And so it becomes this cycle, right, where you yeah. have... The, yeah, so like stuff like that. Is that legal? I mean, that's the thing is it's not regulated in a lot of African countries. That's crazy. Like, there are no... like that's as like loan sharking. It really is. So that's probably what Jack going over there to do. Exactly. And so you look at, say, for instance, how much Twitter and Facebook have screwed up, like, America and American democracy, right. and you look at, like, the role that Facebook played in Brexit. Yes. And then you're like... Wow. Wait a second. What are they going to do in a place that doesn't even have wow. a lot Those of the democratic and political infrastructure wow. that America has, right? And it's just like, it's going to be the apocalypse. And I'm like, yo, please, Jack, don't do it. I do want to talk oh. about the effects of war, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is also a theme throughout the book. We see the uh, different women being affected and child soldiers and all mm -hmm. of that. So just as a theme, because it is war girls, mm -hmm. right? Discuss what it is that uh, you did when it comes to war and the effects of war on these people. So child soldiers weren't necessarily a big issue in the Biafran War, but one of the things that inspired War Girls was I studied a lot of the conflicts in African countries in the 90s and the 2000s and in like the Liberian Civil War ton of child soldiers. And I wanted to show the effects of that, like what is it, what does it mean to be in that position, right? Like what does it do to you? And so I'm working on the sequel to War Girls now mm -hmm. and it's going to be interesting seeing how some of these characters the ones who do survive, deal with the trauma of that. Okay. Give me that, man. <laughs> I, need that. I need you to sign this for me. Listen, you know this is the next wave. Hey, you know, Meaning, I'm, 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 to... I'm talking about black science fiction mm -hmm. is absolutely positively the next wave. Like, this is going to end up being a TV show. This is going to end up being a movie. I, mean, I know so. You know, fingers crossed, speaking into existence. I'm telling you. Well, look, the New York Times <laughs> said they could see this as a movie. That, that's be true. An action <laughs> movie. Because we, we, you know why? Because every black story has been told. And, you know, black mm -hmm. is gold right now. But mm -hmm. black creators have to start doing things like this because we're, we're, we're not, we're not mo monolithic. Yeah, there you the go. The blurs need representation. Well, yes, we do. That's it. Well, tell them, give me your information for people if they want to contact you, follow you, and all that good stuff. Certainly. So uh, my website is tochionyebuchi.com. Just my first name. You got to spell it for him, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to spell it for him, man. Tochionyebuchi.com. It's like just like doing all the side effects to the medication at the end of the thing. It's T as in Thomas, O-C-H-I-O-N. 
N as in Nancy, Y-E-B-U-C-H-I.com. You can also follow me on Twitter with the fire retweets. Uh, at Tochi <laughs> True Story. Um, you can follow me on the gram at Trey64. That's T R E I Z E 64. And yeah, buy my books. Like everywhere books are sold. Beast Made of Night, <laughs> War Girls is out now. You're working on a sequel for War Girls? Working on a sequel for War Girls. And I got another book coming out in January called Riot Baby that, like, yo. It's lit. It's lit. Okay. It's, it's, yeah. It's literature. No, it's, it, yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. I see what you did there. Well, I thank, see what you did thank there. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank Tochi, you for having me. it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Leave us on a positive note. The positive note is simply this, man. Uh, this is a great quote from Albert Einstein. I actually posted on my Instagram earlier. Everything is energy, and that's all there is to it. Okay, match the frequency of the reality you want, and you cannot help but get that reality. It can be no other way. This is not philosophy. This is physics. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?